This is The World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Ukrainian officials said gas leaks from Nord Stream 1 and 2 pipelines connecting Russia and Germany were caused by a Russian, quote, terrorist attack. Underwater blasts were recorded before the leak began. Both pipes were filled with gas but inactive, in part because Russia has been withholding gas from Europe in response to economic sanctions. Denmark and Germany are investigating the cause of the leaks. Poland's prime minister said he suspected sabotage. Hurricane Ian hit Cuba, cutting power for nearly one million people and forcing 50,000 to evacuate. Ian is expected to intensify before reaching Florida on Wednesday. Many Floridians have already had to evacuate. Forecasters predict that this year's Atlantic hurricane season, which runs until November 30th, will be unusually stormy, in part because of interactions between the Pacific Ocean and the atmosphere above it. The IMF urged Britain's government to, quote, reevaluate its new fiscal policy, which triggered a collapse in the value of sterling after it was announced last week. The global lender reckons the, quote, untargeted measures, which include 45 billion pounds of debt-funded tax cuts, will worsen inflation and increase inequality. Earlier, the Bank of England's chief economist said the package would require a, quote, significant monetary response. Officials in Kazakhstan said around 98,000 Russians had crossed their shared border since President Vladimir Putin announced a partial mobilization. Last week, Mr. Putin said around 300,000 men were needed on the front line of his war in Ukraine. Some 250,000 have since left Russia. Meanwhile, Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president, urged world leaders to take, quote, preventative action, rather than waiting to, quote, react to Russia's latest escalation. The S&P 500 closed at its lowest level of the year for a second straight day. The pound rebounded against the dollar, rising above the nadir of below $1.04 that it had reached on Monday. Markets remain on edge amid mounting economic anxiety and the prospect of steeper interest rate rises. Saudi Arabia's king appointed his son, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, as prime minister, a role traditionally held by the monarch. The move formalizes the crown prince as head of the government, though he has been the kingdom's de facto ruler since 2017. King Salman, who is 86, has recently spent time in hospital and cut back on duties. The World Bank slashed its growth forecast for China in 2022, in part because of the country's zero-COVID policy and property crisis. The bank expects the world's second-largest economy to grow at an annual rate of 2.8 percent, a little over half of its previous forecast of 5 percent. Growth in the East Asia and the Pacific regions was also revised down to 3.2 percent. And fact of the day, 250,000. The number of near-Earth objects, or space rocks, that are 140 meters across or bigger thought to exist. If Earth were hit by some, the damage could be immense. And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Years of anger erupt in Iran. Over 11 nights now, throughout the country, Iranians have taken to the streets, braving violence and arrest to protest against their government. The spark was the death in custody earlier this month of a young woman detained by morality police over her supposedly immodest clothes. 
but the protests have snowballed into an outpouring of anger against the regime. Chants of freedom and death to the dictator are not merely cries for tweaking headscarf laws. Many Iranians want more radical change. The regime, of course, has fought back. It has killed dozens of protesters, arrested countless more, and branded them all as foreign agents. A familiar playbook, this, and probably enough to see it through yet another wave of unrest. But the theocracy's rotten foundations look wobblier than ever. Iran's economy is a mess, inflation above 50%. The bureaucracy is unresponsive, and many Iranians are tired of their long isolation from the world. More unrest is inevitable. Congress's Final January 6th Hearing The Congressional Committee investigating the attack on the Capitol on January 6, 2021, will hold its expected final hearing on Wednesday. Much like the closing argument of a prosecution, the final outing will spend much of its time summarizing the case against Donald Trump for failing to stop those of his supporters who sacked the building in a desperate bid to overturn his election loss. The committee plans to issue a final report before the next Congress is seated in January. Some Republicans want not only to suspend the committee's unfinished work, but to counterattack by casting doubt on its work and blaming Democrats for intelligence and security failures on the day. Exactly how much criminality the current investigators have unearthed is unclear. The Department of Justice which makes independent decisions on who to charge with what, has seized phones belonging to some of the central actors identified by the committee. But the scope of its inquiry remains unclear. Mr. Trump appears largely unfazed. The ECB's Geopolitical Role Central banks have their hands full fighting inflation while trying to preserve their economies from stagnating. The European Central Bank in particular has to grapple with a largely energy-driven price shock, the response to which is proving hard to get right. One way of preventing such big problems from running out of control in the future may be to encourage geoeconomic cooperation between Europe and America. That is the subject of a talk that Christine Lagarde, the head of the ECB, will give to the Atlantic Council, an American think tank, on Wednesday. The main reason central banks are in such trouble is because global disruptions, a pandemic, war, broken supply chains, are messing with economies. Miss Lagarde will probably argue that America and Europe have a collective interest in strengthening cooperation to stabilize their economies, make supply chains more resilient, and fight climate change. More interesting will be to see what Ms. Lagarde thinks central banks can do to help. Biden's Fight Against Hunger The White House hosts a conference on Wednesday to tackle hunger, nutrition, and health in America. Such food-related issues plague millions of Americans, especially the poor, rural communities, and minorities. 
Growing obesity increases the risk of serious health problems. In 2020, about one in five American children was obese, nearly four times the share in 1970. The ratio is higher for black, Hispanic, and poor children. Food-related disease is also costly. According to a study published by the American Diabetes Association, in 2017, diabetes cost America $327 billion in direct medical costs and lost productivity. Mr. Biden is expected to announce increased access to free school meals and incentives for the purchase of fruits and vegetables with food stamps, access to which will be expanded. He also wants to develop a more informative front-of-package labeling scheme like that in Europe. But with the midterms looming, Biden may not have support in Congress for long enough to see these measures through. Blonde has less fun, Marilyn Monroe. Andrew Dominic's film about Marilyn Monroe, released on Netflix on Wednesday, avoids all of the obvious biopic set pieces. Norma Jean Mortensen choosing her stage name, bleaching her hair, or singing Happy Birthday to President John F. Kennedy. Instead, it jumps from one traumatic episode to the next. Adapted from a novel by Joyce Carol Oates, Blonde shows Monroe being beaten by her unstable mother, played by Julianne Nicholson, and her jealous husband, played by Bobby Cannavale, suffering through an abortion and a miscarriage, being raped by a studio president, played by David Warshawski, and being used as a sex toy by an American president, presumably Kennedy, played by Casper Philipson. Anna de Armas is uncannily convincing in the lead role, but all Blonde has to say about Monroe over the course of 166 relentless minutes is that she was a passive victim, defined not by her talent or drive, but by her abusive relationships. Monroe and Miss de Armas deserve better. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home, city, and country by 1700 BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Wednesday. Which American comedian replaced Johnny Carson as host of The Tonight Show in 1992? Tuesday. What was the name of the American aid plan to Europe after the Second World War? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Confucius. He who knows all the answers has not been asked all the questions. That's The World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening. <laughs>